Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part four of his series, The Nine Gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right, so the nine gifts of the Spirit, part four. All right, so we're continuing our series this morning on the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit that you find there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is part four, and there will be one more part five, which I'll talk about at the very end. So if you missed any of the series, you can catch up by going to our podcast and listen to every one of them in sequence if you want to. Over the last three sessions, we've been emphasizing the fact that If you really want to flow in the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit, you need to operate in the nine supernatural fruit of the Spirit first. You need to flow in the fruit and the gifts if you want to operate powerfully in the gifts. Paul said, you know, I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and if I have not love, it means nothing. It's useless. So remember that the primary motivation for us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit is because God loves people and His gifts are an extension of His love to people, to the church and to the world. Amen. We cannot lose sight of that fact. It's not so that you can appear to be spiritual. Look at me, how powerfully God uses me in the gifts, that kind of thing. It's because there's hurting people out there that need a touch, need a word, need a miracle in their life, and God wants to use you to bring that gift to them. Amen. Hallelujah. Also there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the so-called love chapter, it's all about love, but what most people forget is it's all about love in the context of administering gifts of the Spirit. Remember, we've talked about this. Chapter 12 is all about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14 is about tongues, interpretation, and prophecy, also gifts of the Spirit. So chapter 13, the love chapter, is right smack in the middle. You could say it is central to operating in the gifts powerfully and effectively. Love is essential if you want to be used by God in the supernatural. Amen. All right. So we're not going to go over that any more than I just did. We're going to dive right into the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit by reading our main text from which we have uh, used as a launch pad, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's pretty plain, isn't it? You could say it this way, I want you to know about these things. I want you to understand these things. I don't want you to be ill-informed, amen, or misinformed. Let's skip on down to verse 7. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, amen? That means the gifts are for the profit of all, just like it says, amen? They're not just for you to show off. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. 
but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And that's something we made an emphasis on, is that the gifts of the Spirit don't operate as you will. I want to prophesy this morning, therefore I will. No, it doesn't work that way. The gifts are distributed as He wills. Amen? As He wills. So just remember that. Be available, be willing, but realize it it happens as He wills. Amen. Okay. All right, so to get a better handle on the nine gifts of the Spirit, you know, which we just read there in verse 8 through 10, many teachers, including myself, uh, have categorized them by their characteristics and their function to help us understand them better. And so if you do that, you end up with three categories of gifts with three gifts in each category, beginning with revelation gifts, which we studied a couple of weeks ago. Revelation gifts are gifts in which you have something that is supernaturally revealed to you by the Holy Spirit that you had no other way of knowing except it was revealed to you by Him. And they are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Last week, we talked about the power gifts, which involve a display of God's power, gifts of healings, gift of faith, working of miracles. Today, we're going to zero in on the vocal, sometimes also called inspirational gifts, because they involve speaking, but they involve inspired speaking. Amen? And they are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. All right. So let's talk about the base scripture from which we get the vocal gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. It says, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So all three are found in verse 10, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, and tongues. Amen. So I'm going to give you my definition of the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is the ability to speak in a language that you have never learned, whether that language is earthly or heavenly. All right, so one of the things I want you to get this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about tongues, not a great deal of time, but there's some things that you just can't leave unsaid when you talk about tongues. Tongues, first of all, is a supernatural sign. Tongues is a supernatural sign. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is Jesus speaking, the so-called Great Commission. And this is what he said to his followers. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So right here in the Bible, according to the words of Jesus, tongues is a sign gift that is for the body of Christ, that was for them back there in the book of Acts. But if you think about it, we're still in the book of Acts. We're still in that dispensation, so it still applies to us. They have not passed away. Why do I know that? Because I have personally experienced them over the past 35 years. Amen. And I see it in the Word. 
All right, so tongues is a supernatural sign. Now, stay with me. On the day of Pentecost, tongues was a sign to the unbelieving Jews from all over the known world that God was moving in their midst. We can read about that in Acts chapter 2. We'll start at verse 4. This is the day of Pentecost. It says there in verse 4, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit enabled them. You can't talk in tongues by yourself. Verse 5, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now, keep in mind, there's 120 people in the upper room that are all praying and worshiping God in tongues. And somehow or another, they're able to hear it and understand the language of their country. Utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me through all those pronunciations. (laughs) Verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Now, here's what I believe was happening here. It wasn't that the believers in the upper room somehow began to speak the languages of those people and those nations. No, I believe each of them was worshiping God in their own personal prayer language. And these people from all over the world we're able to supernaturally hear them in their own language. And what were they saying? They were talking about the wonders of God. Amen. They were worshiping the Lord. And they heard them worshiping the Lord. And it drew a crowd. And you know the rest of the story. Peter saw the crowd gathering and he preached the gospel to them and they got saved. Amen. Hallelujah. 3,000 people because of this ruckus in the upper room got saved, and eventually they also got filled with the Spirit. Now, this concept of somebody speaking in tongues and you being able to hear it in your native tongue, this has happened to me three times, maybe four. I think four if I get them all right. Uh, Okay, once I was praying in tongues with a group of Bible students back in Louisiana, and there was someone there that was able to hear what I was praying in tongues in Spanish, in a Puerto Rican dialect. And they came and told me afterwards. I said, that's way cool. What was I saying? He said, you were talking about the wonderful nature of Jesus, our King, and and how he's exalted highly forever by God. And I'm like, "Woo! I'm glad you told me that. That's pretty cool stuff. But I had no idea. And I guarantee you, I know what my tongue sounds like. I've been praying in tongues for almost 50 years, and it does not sound anything like Spanish least of all with a Puerto Rican dialect. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, At our old facility in Monkey Junction, that's where our church first started, we were having a prayer meeting, and we were all holding hands, praying in tongues, and a lady, a couple, 
uh, people down from me told me later, she said, I heard you speaking in French. I'm like, really? It didn't sound like French. She said, well, I heard French. And then twice in this facility, the sound man was back in the back, and I was praying in tongues, and he came up to me later. He was very conversational Spanish. You know, he, he could speak Spanish on a conversational level. He said, both times you were speaking in Spanish, and I wrote it down, and then I interpreted it in, uh, in, in English, and it was cool stuff. I'm like, praise God. So four times, I was right, four times this has happened to me. So this is a legit gift. I even have heard of a man that I'm familiar with that I learned a lot from about tongues. His name is Dave Roberson. Years ago, he said he had seven televised appearances where the Spirit of God came on him, and he spoke with tongues to the camera. He said, I looked at the red light, which they tell you to look at, and I spoke in tongues to the red light, and there was no interpretation there. He says, I felt kind of weird about it. He said, but, but gradually, I became aware that something supernatural was happening because Every one of those times, eventually, someone out there in the television audience was able to hear him in their own language, and he was telling them their name, their address, they needed to get saved, except Jesus is Lord. So seven people got saved because of the gift of tongues operating in this way. Now, tongues is, is so awesome because I've seen it operate so many different ways. Every time I think I got it figured out, something else happens. I remember a story, a pastor friend of mine used to be a youth, or actually a children's pastor, and they used to do all of Kenneth Copeland's, you know, believers conventions. And they've had two and three hundred kids in kids' church. And they were preaching on getting filled with the Spirit. And these little four and five and six and seven-year-olds were getting filled with the Spirit and talking in tongues. You know, and there was this one guy that was one of his assistants that came up to Pastor Bill and said, hey, there's this one little girl she's not receiving. I prayed for her to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she keeps, she keeps, she's, she's not, she's not, she's talking in English. She's, she's speaking English. I want her to speak in tongues. And Bill said, well, let me listen to her. Pray for her again. So, so he prayed for the little girl, and Bill said she was talking in tongues. And the guy said, see, see, she's speaking English. What was going on there? He was hearing it in English supernaturally. Pastor Bill was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's talking in tongues. He said, no, 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 she's speaking in English. Same kind of thing. Isn't it not cool? That is way cool. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. I went four-wheeling there. Everybody noticed Marcy's wonderful four-wheeling Jeep in the parking lot? Well, I got in that thing, and I went four-wheeling, so I got to get back on track here. Hallelujah. All right. So, <laughs> tongues is is also a sign that a person has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere in the Bible where people were filled with the Holy Spirit, it is either explicitly stated or it can be shown with a little bit of research that they did. Okay? Having said that, I don't want to be dogmatic about it because I got filled with the Spirit at Grandfather Mountain back in 1972, and I grew up Episcopal. I didn't know anything about tongues. I had never heard of it. I wasn't for it. I wasn't against it. I just didn't know it. I was unlearned. And so consequently, it was a matter of months later before I actually spoke in tongues. 
So I cannot definitively say, if you say you've been filled with the Spirit, but you just haven't spoken in tongues yet, I, I agree with you. I think it's possible. Okay. All I would say is let loose of what's on the inside of you. Amen. Let it loose. Let the rivers flow. Glory to God. All right. So speaking in tongues is a gift of God that is available to all born-again believers. If you get filled with the Spirit, it's available to you. Now, some in the denominational world say, well, when I got saved, I got all of the Holy Spirit that I was going to get. I'm in agreement with that. But the Holy Spirit has more than one ministry. The first and most important ministry of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of regeneration, getting people's spirit born again. After that, he wants to loose the ministry of power in your life. Because when you're born again, you can't really live out the life that you're called to live out without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Everybody get that? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm jumping all over the place here. Just pray grace over Brother Scott in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to read verse 1 through 5 in the English Standard Version and see what we can learn. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 through 5, English Standard Version. All right. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. Pursue love. He's talking to the Corinthian church. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Here we see once again, the gifts of the Spirit have to be pursued with an attitude of love if they're going to be effective. Amen. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So he wants you to do it in love, but he wants you to desire spiritual gifts. It is not wrong to desire to be moving in the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, it is what God is asking you to do, especially, he said, put it at the top of your list that you might prophesy. Amen. All right, verse 2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Amen. Let me break this down for you. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. If you are speaking to God, what is that? That is prayer, right? So he's talking about prayer here. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. You could say, Somebody that's praying in tongues is praying to God, not to people. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit that are between just him and God. So here we see that the primary purpose of tongues is prayer. Some people call it a prayer language. That's the primary purpose of tongues. Not to give a message to the church in tongues, but to give you a powerful tool of communication between your heart and the heart of the Father. And it is awesome. It is awesome. It is totally awesome. I'm running out of words here. So when you pray unto God in the Spirit, most of the time you don't understand and nobody else does. All right, we'll get more into that as we go through here. Verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. 
that King James says edification, exhortation, and comfort. Amen? So here Paul explains that prophecy is spoken not to God, but to people. And it's normally delivered in a language that everybody understands. Amen? And its primary purpose is to edify or build up the people of the church. Amen. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I'm going to read that again because we're going to, we're going to break that down. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. That word there, build up, that comes from a compound Greek word, oikodomeo. Oiko means to build. Domeo means the house. Oikodomeo, build the house. And it carries with it the concept of not only building, but constantly renovating your house. This is the house that you live in. Your spirit, soul, and body dwell in this earth suit. Amen? Isn't that right? So, Paul is saying, when you pray in tongues, you build up the house. You build up yourself, spirit, soul, and body by praying in the spirit. That's the chief benefit of it, okay? But the one who prophesies builds up the church. See the difference? It's not wrong to edify or build yourself up. It's just better in a public setting if you prophesy for the building up of all those that are around you. Amen? You see the difference? Verse 5 says, Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Let me just leave that hanging there. Okay, side journey time. I heard a testimony from a pastor who was hunting out west somewhere, Montana, somewhere like that. He had a, like a foot of snow that he was walking on. He had snowshoes. He's out there, and he had uh, killed the deer, and he's waiting to, uh, for his friends to come back uh, with the ATV and put it on the ATV and take it back to their camp. So he's just kind of out there by himself, this pastor all by himself, and he sees this stranger across the snow plains coming at him with also with snowshoes and hunter's garb and a hat and everything. He said the only thing was... He was about a foot above the snow. He was not touching the snow when he was walking. So he said, this dude is different. (laughs) And uh, he perceived that he was a supernatural being, and indeed it was an angel who came and talked to him about his ministry. Now he needed to emphasize the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues. And and the the man said to him, "Uh, that's pretty controversial. And the angel basically said, well, it's not controversial with God. So preach it. Anyway, amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Now, the King James says, I would that you all spoke in tongues, but rather that you prophesy. It makes it seem like you have to make a choice between prophecy and tongues. You don't have to make a choice. Prophecy can be at the top of your list, and you can still pray in your prayer language. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, the Corinthians evidently 
were out of control with spiritual gifts, and they were, they were on top of one another trying to, you know, speak in tongues and prophesy, and, and it was just a hot mess. That's the, the word that we use these days, isn't it? Just a hot mess, and, and Paul is trying to straighten them out, and he said, listen, if, you, if you're zealous to speak in tongues, if you really want to do it that much, then you need to interpret what you're saying so the people can understand what you're saying. More on that later. All right, praise the Lord. The other thing I want you to see here in verse 5, I'm going to read it one more time. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So Paul's saying here uh, essentially that tongues with interpretation is equal to or equivalent to prophecy. So if you ever get zealous and you just burst out in a message in tongues in the middle of a meeting, then you need to be praying, Lord, give me the interpretation. That's actually scriptural, which I'll show you here in just a second. Because nobody's going to be edified if they don't know what you're saying, okay? Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm picking and choosing what I'm saying here. I'm going through my notes. I'm not using everything. I'm just being led by the Holy Spirit, so you just bear with me. Hallelujah. So you learn that about tongues and interpretation. It's equal to prophecy. What are some other things that you learn? Well, there's a very simple rule of thumb concerning interpretation of tongues. Tongues spoken to God in prayer or in worship, privately or corporately, does not need to be interpreted. Why? Because God understands every language in the universe. And if you're addressing Him in tongues, He doesn't need an interpretation. I heard a story about a denominational pastor, actually the fundamental guy, fundamentalist, friend of mine shared this story. He went into a Holy Ghost meeting where they were all just worshiping God in tongues, and, and he was going to everybody and getting in their face and says, you have to interpret that. You have to interpret that. You have to interpret that. Well, you know, his, it's good to be a man of the Word, but you can be misguided even in the Word. All right, so, so tongue spoken to God in prayer or in worship, whether privately or corporately, does not need to be interpreted. Tongue spoken to a public assembly has to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, first of all, and it needs to be interpreted. Amen. So there is a type of tongues that does not have to be interpreted, and there's a type of tongues that does have to be interpreted. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I wasn't going to share this right yet, but I'm going to go ahead and share it right now. I have a personal example of something along these lines that happened to me, and we haven't even got to interpretation of tongues yet, but I'm just going to share it with you early because I feel the unction. Trish and I were at a Bible study years ago in Corpus Christi, Texas. We were all in a ring back then in the charismatic days. For some reason, you couldn't do anything for the Lord unless you were in a ring, you know. It's just the way it was, and and all of a sudden, you know, we're just singing in the Spirit and worshiping God, and then I just feel this unction to, to give a message in tongues, which I had never, ever done. So my heart's beating. I'm getting all sweaty. My palms are sweaty. I'm like, should I give this? Should I give this? Should I give this? Finally, I just said, you know what, Lord? I'm a man of faith. I'm going to let it rip. And I let it rip. And I spoke a message in tongue 
loudly and clearly, and it lasted about, I don't know, 20 seconds or so. And then I said, okay, Lord, I've done my part. Now somebody interpret, because that's the way the Scripture says it's supposed to be done. Well, you know, you've heard of the proverbial pregnant pause. One potato, two potato, three potato. No interpretation. I'm getting more and more nervous, and I'm asking the Lord, what do I do? It's clear that nobody here is going to give the interpretation. I heard the Lord clearly say to me, pray that I give you the interpretation. I'm like, what? Where is that in the Bible? Well, I'll show you here in just a minute. So I argued with the Lord internally as I'm sweating, and I just finally said, okay, Lord, give me the interpretation. He said, just start speaking, and I'll give it to you. I'm like, what? What, what are you talking about? I don't have the or thus. I don't have anything. I don't even have a pronoun to even start with. And the Lord said, just start speaking. So finally, I just, I said, the word of the Lord says, and I got about that far into it. And all of a sudden, because of my obedience, it clicked. There is someone here. You are so depressed. This morning, you contemplated committing suicide and you're seriously considering it. The Lord says, don't do it. You are loved. You are treasured. You are valued. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life, and you're special in his eyes. Well, there was a teenage girl there that this applied to, and she began to weep. And she turned to me, and she said, how did you know? I said, I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit did. Now, I don't know if she would have went on and committed suicide or not, but I like to think that at least I got her out of her depression. And she wasn't thinking along those lines. It's dangerous to get to the point where you think along those lines. Amen? Hallelujah. That's a real life, true story, no embellishment. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. The other thing I want to talk about here in tongues, and I just got to get this over to you. Speaking in tongues is a divine source of communication that makes powerful prayer and communion with the Father possible. It's just nothing like it. Psalm 42, verse 7. I can already see we're going to have to continue this next week, but that's okay. I already planned on a part five. Let's just roll with it, Lord. Let's just roll with it. <laughs> Psalm 42, verse 7. Now, I believe that this is an Old Testament type of praying in tongues. It says here, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. If you read in the book of Revelation, you find three times where the Apostle John said, I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was like the voice of many waters. So waters are associated with speech in the Bible many, many times. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls, the voice of God. All your waves, all your words to me have gone over me, and they have overwhelmed me. Amen. This is something where the deepest part of your heart when you pray in tongues, connects with the deepest part of God's heart. And there's a link like no other. Like I said, I've been praying in the Spirit for almost 50 years, and I remember the times of intimacy 
and, and power and revelation and the things you learn when you pray in the Spirit. And I, I, I couldn't live without it. It's even saved my life on more than one occasion. Everybody says, how did tongues save your life? Well, one day I was driving home from Word of Life back when we were in Louisiana. That was our church back then. And I came to a really, really dangerous intersection there in Shreveport. And I was praying in the Spirit. The whole time I left the parking lot of the church, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost until I get to this intersection. And all of a sudden, I have this vision. And when I say vision, it was just in my mind's eye. Listen to me. That is no less supernatural. And in my mind's eye, I saw an old model Cadillac screamed through that intersection at about 100 miles an hour. And so when the light turned green, I just said, I'm just going to stop here for just a second or two. And sure enough, an old model Cadillac screamed through that intersection at 100 miles an hour. If I'd have gone on the green light, I would have been T-boned, T-boned, and I wouldn't be here today. So speaking in tongues has saved my life, which brings me to the point that I really want to make, and then we'll wrap this up. Praying in tongues sensitizes you to the realm of the Spirit and allows you to move more freely in the gifts of the Spirit. So if you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, tongues is the doorway to operating in the supernatural realm of God. I've seen it over and over and over again. Amen? Amen. So let me see if I can bring this to a close here. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and we'll leave off right there. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Classic. It says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. At a secular university, they did some research where they wired up some people's brains Christians who claim to speak in tongues and they asked them to speak in English for a period of time and then switch to tongues for a little while. And they monitored and they mapped their brain and where all the centers of the brain were active and which ones weren't. And they found that when someone spoke in their native tongue, that the speech center of the brain was red hot with activity. But the minute they began to speak in tongues, it went silent. In other words, it had nothing to do with the mind. It was coming from the Spirit. Amen. This is what Paul is saying right here. My mind is unfruitful because it is the Holy Spirit who's originating the tongues. It's coming from Him. He's, he's hooking up with my Spirit, and we're praying out, as we'll find out next week, the perfect will of God. Perfect intercession. How'd you like to pray? Perfect prayers of intercession. Pray in the Holy Ghost, and you'll pray on track. Every time, even after praying on the Holy Ghost for 10, 15 minutes, your English prayers will be more accurate, more on target, more focus, more powerful. Amen. So we're going to wrap it up there and we will continue with part five of the nine gifts of the spirit next Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I hope I wasn't all over the map too much that you weren't able to follow. I call it going geographic being all over the map. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray that there will be Holy Ghost retention to all of these concepts, that the seed of the Word will find fertile soil in the hearts of the hearers, and we will continue this series next week and believe you for a continual release 
of the Spirit of God and His gifts in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed part four of Dr. Forrest's message, The Nine Gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.